has been placed upon every social institution which God has established, including government, church, and the family. And I believe that the scriptures are very clear that this triune imprint has been deliberately placed upon these institutions so that what he is like, his image, his likeness may be demonstrated through his creation, his divine creation, because that's how he is glorified. He is glorified when his image is reflected back to him. And he has so de designed creation that this triune impact is upon every social institution he has established on earth. The reason why he's done that, I say and I repeat, is because he wants these divine institutions to reflect what he is like. And I believe that the reason why the our society, the world, in fact, our church, our families, our homes, our government is in such a mess today is because we have defaced, we have marred the image of God in these establishments. Let me see if I can illustrate this. By the way, this is one of the most profound, awesome concepts, I believe, that I've come to understand from Scripture. I mentioned some time ago that the understanding of what it means to, uh, to be a husband, what it means when it says that we should love our wives as Christ loved the church, and understanding that divine intimacy and relationship, how that has changed my life. Well, this concept, as I study it more and more, has changed everything I think about the Bible and what I see about culture, society, and all of the institutions. And I see the awesome hand of God upon his creation in a new way. But let's see if we could illustrate this for you very briefly. Now, you have on your bulletin's little circle there. I'm sure it's not going to be enough for you. But anyway, you might be able to see this in a moment. Let's take a look then at this diagram uh, and see if we could show you from Scripture, or show you in a diagram form exactly uh, how God has imprinted his triune uh, nature upon his creation. Let's begin with the first one then. All right, if, are we having a problem? All right, let me try to, I'm hoping for the diagram so we could give it to you. Will you be able to work it out or not? What are you going to see? Uh, what we'd like to describe from you, for you is how God has implanted, as it were, the concept of this trinity upon the family, upon the church, upon the government, but especially upon the family because that's our focus today. And why this is important is because God's purpose for his creation is to glorify him. And he has divinely given us the principles for us to do that. And when we fail to follow these principles, then not only will we not glorify him, but we will not find fulfillment and realize the purpose for our being here in the first instance. Okay. Let me go through it then. And then it comes up, we'll come up to it. Take 
for a moment and can try to picture in your mind a circle and put God above the circle. All right? Now, in this circle, place God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. In one circle. The Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God is the one who has been placed, who has placed himself over the Son and over the Holy Spirit. In other words, he is the authoritative figure, as it were, in the Trinity. He is the head in the Trinity. The Son and the Holy Spirit have put themselves, or the Trinity has decided, to put the Son and the Spirit under the submission of the headship of the Father, God the Father. You get the picture? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God the Father, authority. God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, submitted to that authority. All right, good, it's coming up now. Watch it now. Go ahead, Alan. Father, authority downward, and then you have Son and Holy Spirit who are submitted to the authority of the Father. That's the Trinity. Now let's go over to the family. You have the husband or father, then you have the mother or uh, wife, and you have the children. The father has the authority over the wife, over the children. The wife, the children have the position of submission and obedience. One more click, Alan. Obedience. Now take a look. That's how God has designed the family to show what he is like. You have the same authority, submission in this particular uh, uh, imprint of God upon the family. Alan, click again. There are two more arrows there. All right. And then. Now, within this concept here, you have unity, but you also have one more roles. Now, it's important to see this that the very same principles or concepts that exist within the Trinity, God is also imprinted upon the family. You have roles within the Trinity. You have roles within the family. You have unity within the Trinity. You have unity within the family. And God is saying that when these things are focused upon so that they outwork themselves in the, live, in the livelihood of the family, in the lives of the family members, then His glory is shown. Why? Because it's reflecting who he is like. Now, friends, this is a tremendous concept because you see, it's important for us to realize if one member of this triad goes out of whack, then everything is destroyed. The image of God is marred. Let me show you how this goes on, Alan. The family is assigned to show what God is like. Now, look at the church. You have Christ, who is the authority. He is what? He is the head of the church. Then you have pastors, who are the under-shepherds of the flock. Then you have the members, the flock, 
who are to obey their leaders. The same principles apply. Same principles. And when any one of these areas are out of whack, out of kilt, the image of God is marred or destroyed, and God cannot be glorified as fully, completely as you would like. Now let's go to government. The church is also designed to show what God is like. Now look at government. Now we're just showing these to carry the concept to show that it's a cross. And as we go on our service, as we go on in our series rather, we're going to explain this more in detail. God is the one who has set up government. That's very clear in uh, Genesis 9 and, and Romans chapter 13. God, you have your leaders then, and then you have what? The citizens. And they, the, uh, we are to obey God as well as our leaders. The leaders are to obey God. We have the same concepts, same principles. And we could follow this along in every institution that God has set up. Why? Because God has imprinted his triune nature upon everything that he has created. And the point is, when we fail to see that and we are out of kilt, we are out of order in any of these institutions, the image of God is marred, destroyed. Wonderful concept here. Now, man then, as well as these divinely established institutions, can and will only achieve and experience complete fulfillment for their purpose for existence if each member of the divine triad is functioning as they should. In other words, in order for the Trinity to function and in order to accomplish its purpose, the Son and the Holy Spirit must be in communion, working in accordance with the will of God. The same thing is true of the family. If God's image is going to be manifested, the husband, the wife, and the children must be working together in harmony. If either one of them fail in their given roles, then the image of God is destroyed. And fulfillment could not be realized no matter what we do, no matter how hard we work at it. But if we don't stay in the roles that God has given us to fulfill the purpose he has given us as husbands, as wives, as children, as fathers, as mothers, as children, then God will not be glorified in our families. And so we see then this concept, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, equal in nature and essence, but different in roles and function. Man, spirit, soul, and body, the family or marriage, husband, father, wife, mother, children. I repeat, this is important. Man, as well as these divinely institutions, can and will only achieve and experience complete fulfillment for their purpose for existence if each member of the divine triad are functioning as they should. My friends, this is an important truth for us to understand. We have ripped ourselves from the moorings of the word of God and we have, we have implanted our own concepts of what the family is and what the church is and we've focused on ourselves rather than on God. Let me give you another illustration. As I was sitting here today and thinking about the things I was studying here, you know, and as the choir sang so beautifully about God's presence. And you know, we always desire for God's presence to be here amongst us. Isn't that right? But you know, I really don't think that's the focus that the Bible has. I don't think our prayer should really be, now it's not bad, mind you, this is just a bit of illustration, to be for God's presence to be here. But rather, for us to realize our being with Him present with him in the Holy of Holies. 
We are seated with him where? In the heavenlies. That's where we are. We are with him. And I believe that's what we need to focus on, and the fact that we are in the presence of God, not so much that he is in our presence. I think it's important for us, and it's a major shift that we have to understand here. The focus is always on us. God says, no, it has to be on him, and he has designed creation, he designed us to demonstrate that fact. With regards to the family then, there are three overarching principles that are divinely imposed upon us, and they must be followed if it is to achieve the divine purpose for its existence and to show what God is like. If we as a family are going to show what God is like, these principles have to be practiced. Principle number one, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. We've already spoken about that. Principle number two, wives be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. We've also spoken about that. Principle number three, children obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Now this third of the divine triad for building a godly home has to do with children. I call this the dual command because there are two aspects of this command in this passage, each to cover a specific period of the child's life. And I believe you've missed out on this. We've, now I want you to understand what we're saying here. I mean, speaking specifically to believers, we are here to glorify God. Everything else is secondary. Our health is secondary. Our wealth is secondary. Our homes are secondary. Primary reason for our being here is to glorify the triune God in each of our lives. You see, and we do that by reflecting what he is like. And he has placed us in a part of a family and given us a role to play. Now we're talking about the role of the child, the role of the children. I want to emphasize, if we're out of kilt here, as a parent, father, mother, or as a child, we deface the image of God in the family. And we'll never be able to achieve, never be able to achieve our purpose of being here in the first place. Notice then, first of all, that the subject of the passage is children. It says, children, obey your parents. Now, if you're a child, and of course you are, because all of us is someone's child, right or wrong? So when I say child, don't say because I'm an adult and married, I'm out of the picture. No, 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 I'm talking to you, unless you don't have any parents. And if you don't have any parents, then you're not here, right? If you are here, you are a child, child of someone. So this passage is addressed to you. Whether you're married, whether you're single, whether you're at home or not at home, whether you're divorced or whether you're single parents, or applies to you because you're a child, regardless of what situation you may find yourself in. As we'll see, this passage takes into account the fact that we, we travel from being immature child to mature child. We see that this passage is addressed to both of those areas of our life. Let me say one again. Let me say again, though, it is impossible to have a home or family which is completely shows what God is like if either of these principles are violated, either by the parents or by the children. 
And if it's our desire to glorify God in our lives, and that's the reason why we're here, then we should be concerned about doing what God wants us to do in our particular area. Now, something else I want to say here. It is only possible, this showing what God is like in our family, it is only possible to be achieved by those who are filled or controlled by the Holy Spirit. The controlling factor in this whole passage for husbands, wives, is being controlled by the Spirit. The same thing is true when it comes to the children. We need to be in step with the Spirit. We need to be directed by the Spirit. We need to be filled with the Spirit. We need to be controlled with the Spirit. That's the determining factor. This, is, this brings in another very important point, the spiritual aspect of our family life. It's impossible for us to be fulfilled as a family if the spiritual life is stagnant or not present. We need a personal relationship with our God. Father, mother, children. It's vital, it's important, because that's the only way it could be done. Why? Because, remember, we talked about the fall coming in, causing the image of God and man to be marred, and there were judgments that came upon the family because of that sin, because of the fall. Well, the only people who have been redeemed from the effects of the fall are those who place faith in Jesus Christ. It's the only ones. You and I, therefore, need to have the indwelling, the filling of the Holy Spirit in order to live above the effects of the fall. And only the believer who's filled with the Spirit of God can do that. Otherwise, we're struggling on our own. There's a spiritual element to the family and God's creation as a whole that cannot be neglected if God's image is to be manifested. Each member of this divine triad must be controlled, filled with the Spirit of God. I don't mind what state you may be in as a child. You need to be filled with the Spirit of God if you're going to be able to demonstrate what God is like. Same thing is true of parents. We need to be controlled by the Spirit of God. This is how believers in Christ are unable to overcome the force and impact of the force and impact of the fall upon our family life. Without this, we're still living under the curse of the fall upon our family relationships. This is important for us to understand. Unless we are daily and constantly drawing upon the Spirit and walking in the Spirit, we will be fulfilling the lusts of the flesh. What does that mean? It means that we're still living under the curse and not allowing the redeeming power of God to be manifested in our family life. And so the results will be, as with the first family, a loss of intimacy between husband and wife, a struggle for leadership will exist, hatred and violence in the family, as with Cain and Abel, an abandonment of God's way of worship, and eventually divorce and the multiplicity of spouses as was Lamarck. In other words, when you go back to the beginning of human history, you'll find that because the image of God was marred because of sin, every relationship in the home was affected. And the only way it could be corrected is by being redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ and drawing upon the Spirit of God to apply His power in our lives. I want you to notice now the two specific commands in this passage. Obey your parents and honor your parents. If you look at the text carefully, it said each of these commands is filled 
or followed by a modifier or an expanded explanation. If children refuse to obey this dual command, their life is headed for chaos, disappointment, and perhaps even an early death, according to this passage. Friends, this is serious stuff we're talking about here. If you really believe that this Bible is the word of God, a word written from God to us, then he expects us to follow his word. He demands that we obey. We cannot just look at this simply as suggestions. This is a handbook for the family. The first command then is this. Children, obey your parents. Now, as I noted before, this is a direct and specific command. Children, obey your parents. There's no ifs and buts here. There's no part of this you cannot understand. Children, and all of us are children, obey your parents. Straightforward. There's no reason for anyone to say, I don't understand. I don't care whether you are married, whether you're divorced, whether you're single, not living at home. Well, I don't care what the situation is. You are a child. And God says you are to obey your parents. That's the command of God. And of course, when we read this, we say, oh yeah, I know, but you know, look at my, who my parents are. Look what they do. Nothing here about that at all. Well, you know, I'm not in the house anymore. Doesn't say anything about that. It is clear. Children, obey your parents. Now, some have taken this to mean that the command is directed only to Christian parents because you look at the modifier. First of all, it says, in the Lord. In the Lord. So some take this to mean that the command is directed only to Christian parents. Others take it to mean that it refers to children who are Christians. Still others take this to mean that the children should obey their parents as though they were obeying the Lord. I believe all of those things are correct. It is directed toward Christian parents. It is directed toward Christian children. And we should obey our parents as though we are obeying the Lord. There's no doubt about that. This has to do with a spiritual intention. You are doing it because you are obeying the Lord. You are doing it because that's what God wants you to do in the Lord. Paul is speaking to believers in Christ. He's dealing with divine principle that constitute a Christian home that reflects the purpose for it being created by God to glorify Him by living with one another in such a way that the triad design family reflects what the triune God is like. A child, specifically those still in the home or who have not reached adulthood, is to obey their parents because that's the right attitude to have and the right thing to do, especially if you're Christians. But even if you're not, you're still to obey them. Why? Look at the next modifier. Second one. For this is right. Why should you obey your parents? For this is right. For this is right. Now some say this has to do especially with the children under the parents' roof. I will go with that for now. But it's right. What do you mean it's right? Because of God's creation. God has so created His has so designed his creation that the right and proper thing for children to do to be a part of this orderly creation is to obey those in authority over them. If you don't, you'll turn God's creation upside down. You'll cause chaos. Children are supposed to obey their parents. If they do not, God's creative order and purpose for that order goes haywire. 
and thus his image in man and family what he is like is marred and defaced and God is blasphemed in the face of the world why because designed creation is marred by the behavior of the child this is also by the way the principle behind the basis for discipline what is the purpose for discipline it is to show the disobedient child that they are out of whack with God's creative order and is therefore making God look bad in the sight of both angelic and human beings. That's why discipline is so important. Because it's right to get God's creative order back in form. This is also the basis for government. Administration, administering punishment upon evildoers and breaking the law of God. Why? God's image is at stake whenever people refuse to obey the ordered way that God has designed in creation. His image is marred in man and you make God look bad. That's why God has given the government the power of capital punishment. You're going to see when, in a few moments when we come to children obeying the parents. Under the old economy, disobedience was punishable by death. Why? Because the image of God is at stake. This command is specifically binding upon children who are not adults and still under the parents' roof. This is the principle we'll talk, this is what we'll talk about when it comes to discipline. But now look at the text again. Children who are not adults, children who are still in the home, or not adults at least. God is saying to you, obey your parents. That's the right godly attitude you should have, and that's the right thing to do in order to show what he is like. But the older folk will say, well, that doesn't apply to me. I don't have to obey my parents because I'm an adult. I have my own family now. True. But now let's look at the second part of the command. Honor your parents. Honor your parents. Now, I believe that this is directed specifically towards the adult. You say, Pastor Lee, how do you know that this is speaking of adult children? It's because of the meaning of the word honor. You see, usually, drawing upon our current and usual understanding of the term, we interpret this to mean show respect for. You know, like saying, say yes, ma'am, to your ma. Say no, sir, to your pa. Good morning and all. That's how I show honor. That's how I show respect for them. That's how we take this text. And that's all we take it to mean. But that is not the meaning of this text. The word honor. Now, to help us to understand this word, we go to two passages. The biblical meaning of honor is shown in 1 Timothy 5, verses 3 and 4. And 1 Timothy Chapter 5, verses 17 through 18. I want you to turn in your Bibles with this. I will read the passage. I want you to follow along with me. You're trying to see what it means when it says, Children, honor your parents. And I'm trying to show you now this particular part of the command is directed toward adult children. The first part, obey, was to the younger ones. Now this refers to the older ones. Look at what it says. Honor your parents. In 1 Timothy 5, 3, it says this, Honor widows who are widows indeed. This is in the context of the church caring, providing for those widows who have no means of support. And this is the instructions. Honor widows who are widows indeed. Now, that means those who don't have children to take care of them in the context. 
But if any widow has children or grandchildren, they must first learn to practice piety in regard to their own family and to make some return to their parents, for this is acceptable in the sight of God. In other words, he says, if a husband dies, the children of that family is to care, and grandchildren is to care for the widow. Don't just bring them to the church and say, the Bible says it takes care of widows. No, no, no. The Bible says take care of widows who are widows indeed, meaning that you don't have children who can take care of them. If you bring your mom to the, ch to the church to be taken care of as an adult and you have a means of support, you are abandoning your mother. You are abandoning your father according to Scripture. The Bible is clear on this. So to honor means to take care of financially, to support. You say, boy, let me give you another verse. 1 Timothy 5.17 The elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of what? Double honor. That means say, hey, you're a good preacher. Hey, you're a good teacher. Hey, you work hard. Yes, sir. No, sir. That don't mean that. To honor them. Notice what it says now. Especially those who work hard in preaching and teaching like me. Notice now. Here's what it gives. Now, is it? For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing, and the laborer is what? Worthy of his wages. In other words, take care of him financially. And so what Paul is talking about here with children, and this command then is that honoring someone means taking care of their financial needs. Your parents are not to be abandoned because you have your own family. Your mother, your father is not to be abandoned because you have adult business and concerns. And so you put them aside, you put them away. That's rejecting them. That's abandoning them. That's not honoring your parents according to this passage. And so an adult child, whether at home or not, obeys their parents by honoring them, by taking care of them financially in their old age. Jesus said that many of the Pharisees were failing to take care of their parents. And Jesus said that they deserve to be put to death. Now, this is Jesus Christ. Let me read you the passage, Mark chapter 7. I want you to see how important this is. This isn't just a trifling matter here. And one of the reasons why the home isn't reflecting what God is like is because of some of these things right here. Jesus speaking... He was saying to them, you are experts, talking to the Pharisees, at setting aside the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and he who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. Now this is Jesus speaking. He is affirming this. He's showing the importance now. But you say, if a man says to his father or his mother, whatever I have that would help you, is Corbin, in other words, given to God. I have it set aside to give an offering to the church. You no longer permit him to do anything for his father or his mother, thus invalidating the word of God by your tradition which you have handed down, and you do many things, such things as that. Jesus is saying, you hypocrites. The money that is set aside to give for your parents because you don't want to give it to them, you're going to put it under the guise that you're going to give it to God? You are defaming and defacing the image of God. These ungodly Pharisees made up their own laws to counteract the law of God, to avoid taking care of their parents financially. 
As far as Jesus was concerned, refusing to care for your parents in their old age is a capital offense. This shows the seriousness of the command. To fail to obey their parents, whether young or old, is defacing and marring, marring the image of God and man, what God is like. So you see, people like to talk about what is theoretical and what is, what is practical. This is practical stuff here. If you are, as a child, going to love God and you are going to honor Him, then you've got to honor your parents, your adult parents. You cannot abandon them because they're old. And children at home, whether you like it or not, you are to obey your parents. Now, of course, we're going to talk about this later on. We're not talking about when they tell you to do something that's contrary to the will of God. That's not included here. We're talking about the basic concept. Notice, he gives another modifier and an explanation. He says, honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with a promise. Now, we talked about that already. Honor your father and mother. Now, notice this, which is the first commandment with a promise. Now, again, Bible scholars have debated what it means when it says the first commandment with a promise because this is not the first commandment with a promise. This is the fifth commandment that we're looking at. The second commandment also had a promise when it says at the end, showing loving kindness to thousands of generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. So this is not really the first commandment with the promise. And so what the understanding appears to be more is that this is the commandment with a promise of highest priority. This is first among all the promise, all the commands with a promise. This one having to do with your children. And so Jesus is trying to make a point here when he talks to the Pharisees. What I am saying to you is that your obedience and your honoring your parents is of highest importance. And I take it seriously. And so Jesus regards obedience and honoring our parents to be of highest priority. So does the Apostle Paul. My question to you is, do you do that? I've mentioned this to you before, but I believe one of the saddest experiences I've ever had in my ministry is when I was at Racine Bible Church and I used to visit the old people's homes. And they have these things, four or five stories. And I used to walk onto the floor and the old folk used to be lined off in the wheelchairs, everyone sitting down. And you go to talk with him and he says, Are you my son? Are you my daughter? They're there looking for their children. Who don't come to visit they've just been put into old people's home and they've been forgotten that's a disgrace jesus says it the apostle says it clear what would happen what would you respond to if you could if you're two three years old and you always on your mom says man you too you, you, you're too much a bother to me man i can't go out i can't have my business i can't do all this but you know what i can just put you in a home and i can leave you there how would you like that as a child, two, three, four years old? People say, that's a disgrace. Yet we have adult people, children, doing that here in the Bahamas again and again and again. And it's a disgrace. It's a blasphemy of the name of Jesus Christ by those who claim to be Christians. Jesus said, if you were alive in the old economy, you'd be put to death. Now notice what the promise is. A long and prosperous life. It's promised as the usual reward of those who honor their earthly parents. People like to say, man, this has to do with the Old Testament. Oh, no, no, no. This is in the New Testament. Same promise holds. There are many young people who have died. If 
because they didn't obey their parents. Don't go with that boy. He takes drugs. Don't go out driving with him. He drinks. Ah, oh, mom, you're old-fashioned. He's all right. Goes in the car, crashes, gets killed. It's happening all the time. And we could go on and on. Many people, children and older people, are not enjoying their adulthood, their family, their own family the way they should. Why? Because they're not treating their own parents the way God wants them to be treated. And therefore, their life is going to be miserable. That's what this text says. And the Bible gives us some examples of rebellious children. Let me read one passage. If you read 2 Samuel chapter 13 through 18, you'll hear the life of Absalom. You know that story. Disobedient and how they tried to destroy his father, but he was killed finally. Fulfillment of this truth. Look at Deuteronomy now. Deuteronomy chapter 21. Let me read verse 18. I want you to show the seriousness of this. If any man has a stubborn and rebellious son, anybody here like that? Who will not obey his father or his mother, and when they chastise him, he will not even listen to them. Then his father and mother shall seize him and bring him out to the elders of his city at the gateway of his hometown. Then they shall say to the elders of his city, the son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey us. He is a glutton and a drunken. And drunken. Then all the men of his city shall stone him to death. So you shall remove the evil from your midst. And all Israel will hear of it and fear. It's an evil thing for a child not to obey his parents or not to honor them. It's an evil thing. And it's only by the grace of God you're not stoned for doing it today. But you'll be judged in other ways. Look at your life. You'll see it. That's then much more could be said here, but let's look at our conclusion and application. Younger children are to obey their parents and pronounced repeated disobedience to and repudiation of parental authority brings judgment both from God and parents. When we refuse to honor our discipline, our, when you as children refuse to obey or honor our parents, sometimes our parents discipline us, right? If our parents fail to do it, God is certainly going to do it. And if you think you're getting away with it now because the money you should be giving to your older parents, you're using it on yourself and enjoying life, it's going to catch up with you. Secondly, grown children are to care for their parents, and when they fail to do so, their lifestyle as well as their length of life could be adversely affected. The Bible states that. Thirdly, why is this so important? Because God has designed the human family to reflect his image and to show what he is like in the world. And so for children to fail to obey and honor their parents is to disfigure the image of God in the family and to make him look bad in a fallen world and before the angelic beings. Fourth, when a child disobeys his parents, he is for all intents and purposes disobeying God. He is defacing his image and his likeness within the family context. Fifth, Jesus is our example as well as for husbands and wives and fathers and mothers. We saw that when we were dealing with these two first principles. But not only did Jesus obey his Father, Heavenly Father, but on the cross, Jesus made provisions for his mother. One of the seven last sayings of Jesus Christ was the sayings of Jesus honoring his mother by being sure she was cared for by the Apostle John because he wouldn't be around again. Jesus is our example. 
he obeyed his parents when, they, when he was young and he honored him when he was old. And so like parents, if we as children obey this dual command as a member of the divine family tri triad, we too, I say, must be filled with the Spirit. And believers, beloved, this is vitally important as we close today. These are tremendous truths. These are awesome truths we're dealing with here. None of us are able to do these things on our own. The importance of being filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit is essential. And so I speak to you who are fathers. There's no way that you're going to be able to be the head of the family and love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her unless you are filled and controlled by the Spirit of God. Wives, there's no way that you're going to be able to submit to your husband in everything unless you're filled by the Spirit of God. Children, there's no way that you're going to be able to obey your parents and honor your parents the way God wants you to do unless you are totally committed and submitted to the Spirit of God in your life. What I'm saying to you then as a family, and all of us belong to a family, if that family is going to demonstrate what God is like, every member of the family must be committed must be filled, must be controlled by the Spirit of God. And so if it's one thing that all of us need today, it's the control and filling of the Spirit of God. You need to be submitted to His Word. That's where you must begin. If you don't, your family life is in a hopeless state. No matter how much you strive, it will become to no profit at all, unless it's done in the power an enablement of the Holy Spirit. As I ask you to bow your head for a moment, and I want you to think about this because we all fit in here. We are either a parent, a husband, a father, a mom, a wife, a child. We must be filled with the Spirit of God to show what God is like in our family. Now, don't think about your mother. Don't think about your father. Don't think about your wife. Don't think about your husband. Think about yourself. Don't think about your child think about yourself are you this moment as a member of this triad that is designed to show what God is like are you filled or controlled with the spirit of God your heart does the spirit control maybe all of the pain and the suffering and the disappointment and the rejection and all of the divisions you've experienced in your family is because you're not being filled or controlled by the Spirit of God. Would you allow him right now to take control of your life? Would you say to him that I will go back to the book, the handbook for the family, and with God's help, with the help of the filling of the Spirit of God, I will demonstrate what God is like as a child, as a parent, as a husband, as a wife, as a father, as a mother. Will you do that right now? Right where you see You're making it to God. You're not making it to me or anyone else. You're making it to Him. Commit yourself to doing what He wants you to do to show what He's like in your family. Let Him control your life. Let the Spirit control your heart. 